0: You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Faith communities should never allow themselves to be overtaken or possessed by any single political party. We're about justice, compassion, inclusion, and love. Not unconditional loyalty to one political party or one politician specifically. Welcome to episode five hundred and five. Uh, my name is Herb Montgomery, and our title this week is "Exorcism of a Man with an Unclean Spirit." The gospel lectionary reading for this upcoming weekend is from the Gospel of Mark. It's the story of uh, of Mark's it's Mark's first story of of uh, exorcism in in that gospel, and it's found in Mark one twenty one through twenty. 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Immediately there was a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit who cried out, Why do you meddle with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of galilee so whenever we read the exorcism stories in the gospels the first thing we need to remember is that these stories were not written to answer our modern scientific questions these stories about jesus were circulated by an oppressed community on the margins of the roman empire and is difficult As it may be to to temporarily park our attempts to rationalize these stories, I think we would do well to see them as the narratives of a community in a particular social or political location, telling stories to communicate truths that would and to do so in such a way that would enable them to still stay under the radar of the powers that be in all of the gospels jesus is characterized as an itinerant teacher in the same gospels jesus is not just a healer he's also an exorcist and rather than demythologizing this week's story as is the the traditional attempt in scholarship today uh, or the, the 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 most popular attempt rather it, let's instead of trying to label this story as like epilepsy or a mental disability as as modern Jesus scholarship often does let's leave the story as it is and instead look for how our reading functions within its original social context. And, and and remember, this was a dangerous world with an oppressed community longing for liberation. And let's see if there's any social political application we can make for our context today and and i also have to admit that the exorcist stories in the gospels they are a bit triggering for me i remember watching the horror movie the exorcist on television late one night and i was just 9 years old and i think that uh, i don't know how i found it i don't know what i was up doing that late watching television as a 9 year old but uh, that experience left me scarred for life and i can i i Still can't tolerate any movie or drama that includes the theme of this week's story. So let's let's step a little gingerly in this part of Mark's gospel. Jesus has begun teaching, and he's called it initial his initial followers. Remember last week, and then his first public act uh, in the Gospel of Mark is this exorcism on the Sabbath in the synagogue these are all hints as to what this oppressed community is trying to communicate while staying under rome's radar the first act of jesus in each gospel it tells us a lot about what the point of that version of the jesus story is going to be one example is how luke begins his gospel with luke 4 18 through 19 but here in mark Jesus' first supernatural act is an exorcism. Now, healers and, and, and exorcists, they were everywhere in the world for which the Gospel of Mark was originally written. And yet, what we have to also remember is that typically, healers and exorcists, they didn't provoke the wrath of the local authorities the way that Jesus' healings and exorcisms did. And others did the same activities Jesus is doing in these stories, they were but they were not viewed as a threat by those in power. Jesus, on the other hand, experienced hostility from the authorities and the powers that be from his very first act. In Mark 3, verse 6, it says, then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. In Mark 3, 22, and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by a Beelzebul, by the prince of demons, he's casting out demons. So in our story this week, Jesus comes from the wilderness or the margins of the. His society to enter the local central locations of sacred time, being the Sabbath, and sacred space, which is the synagogue. And I want to be clear here these stories are not a religious challenge to either Sabbath or the synagogue. These stories are not anti Semitic, though Christians have used them to harm Jewish people. Jesus never railed. Against the Sabbath as an institution, nor did he ever preach against having synagogues. Rather, his challenges were always aimed at those in positions of power over both sacred time and sacred space. Jesus also politically challenged those in power over the masses because, specifically in this case, of their complicity with the Roman Empire. The Empire had possessed these sacred institutions. And that gives us a hint as to what this story is about. From the very start, we see Jesus contrasted with the scribal establishment in this story. The people are claiming that Jesus is offering a new teaching with authority. Where the scribal establishment spoke under the authority of Rome, Jesus is speaking outside of that. The Greek word for authority, it relates to doing what one pleases without having to have someone else's permission. That's a great uh, window into how the scribal establishment functioned. It was functioning under the permission of Rome. Jesus, again, was outside of that. Those in the scribal uh, establishment, being under the authority of Rome, knew well not to do or promote anything that would threaten um, Rome's leave or permission for them to exist. And synagogue leaders also answered to the priesthood power structure back at the capital of the temple state, the temple in Jerusalem. This That, that priesthood, it answered to the high priest, who was chosen by the Roman Empire, and answered to both Herod, Rome's agent, and to Caesar, the people here also claim that jesus' authority that it was different and not as the teachers of the law, not as the scribal authorities. Jesus is standing again outside of Roman permission. He's not answering to it, and as the the framing of Jesus' first exorcism story, this gives us a hint as to how we should interpret these stories in the rest of Mark, and again, I think that it would, it sh- it w- I think that we should take this exorcism story symbolically, not literally. It's systemic, not individual. Jesus is liberating the people from that which has inhabited or possessed their sacred times and sacred spaces through the authority of Rome. And no sooner does Jesus step into the status quo sacred space and authority structure than he meets this man. Again, it is a good hint that we are on the right track here. Later in Mark's gospel, the author comes right out and tells us about another demon tormenting a man, and in Mark 5, verse 9, he says, Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion. The Roman Legion was the largest military unit of the Roman army, and it often inhabited or possessed or was stationed in areas known to cause problems for the Pax Romana. The language of this story tells us that Jesus met with opposition from the possessed man almost immediately. It says immediately there was a man. Jesus' authority, it comes in conflict with the local authority of the scribal authority immediately. Jesus' teachings are seen here as a threat from the very beginning. In our story, it uses language from the Hebrew sacred text in the context of opposition to political power. In Joshua twenty-two twenty-four, 24, uh, it says, No, we, we did it for fear that someday our descendants might say to ours, What do you have to do with the Lord? the God of Israel. Or Judges 11.12. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with the question, What do you have against me, you who have attacked my country? 1 Kings 17.18. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? These are all occurrences where the prophets are standing up to political power, and so this same language is used in the voice of this demoniac towards Jesus. What do you have with us? Have you come to destroy us? Have you come to torture us, to torment us? So in our story, we read, why do you meddle with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come? to destroy us even the demons naming Jesus as the holy one of God hearkens back to those who stood up to corrupt power in the the Hebrew stories of old speaking of Elisha Elisha's host tells her husband I know that this man who who often comes our way is a holy man of God. In a Jewish context, these would not have been divine claims for the human Jesus. They would have been placing him in the Hebrew prophetic role of speaking truth to unjust power structures and, and, peop- and, and, and rulers and power. Our author is giving Jesus prophetic status that the original audience it would interpret that as equal to that of the ancient prophets like Elisha. And this is also a panic here in the demon's voice. There's a fear of disruption. And how appropriate for when corrupt authority or corrupt power structures are threatened. Those who benefit from these structures, they fear disruption and change. They always oppose that change While those who are being harmed, like in our story here, they rejoice. And I hear the rejoicing of this people in our story when they say the people were all so amazed as they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. It was standing outside of the authority of Rome. The exorcism stories in Mark, they are to be seen through the apocalyptic lens of that time and place. And remember, the apocalyptic worldview sees the world dualistically. There's a concrete material world, and then there's an unseen world filled with powers, demons, and spirits. And, the, and I know that's not necessarily our worldview today, but in that worldview, the concrete is connected with the spiritual. And when there is conflict among the unseen, there's also conflict through their conduits in our seen world. And this is how the, some of the ancients explained the existence of injustice and oppression and violence in our world. That was the work of unseen spiritual, dark spiritual forces. That's how they named it. Uh, uh, fighting against um, uh, the, the powers of justice and and right. And Jesus in our, our story in Mark is exercising those possessing his people's systems, to prepare God's creation for God's just future, God's coming rule, or as the Gospels name it, the kingdom. With everyone in that kingdom um, being included and everyone having enough to thrive, Jesus' first act is to cast out that which is possessing that world so that God's just future can have full reign. So the inaugural exorcism story in this week, it begins with the scribal establishment in the synagogue system of Jesus' own people. The man possessed is the establishment, and, and the demon is the Roman Empire co-opting that establishment. Jesus here is not against the scribes. He's against their complicity in Roman oppression of his people. So in Mark, from the very beginning. We're to see the exorcism stories in this narrative not as private liberations of individual people, but as systemic acts of purging corruption. And, and we're going to have this confirmed by the time we encounter the exorcism stories in Mark 3 and the exorcism stories in Mark 5. And those chapters, those in power and authority, remember they accuse Jesus of exercising demons in the name of the, the head demon Beelzebul. And the demons themselves are, are blatantly, in Romans, or in Mark chapter 5, blatantly associated with the Roman Empire. So again, wh- what applications can we make? as we do each week, what what applications can we make in these stories that were written for a different time and place, under a different circumstance? What applications can we make for our lives today? Well, Mark, in the exorcism stories, remember exorcisms were a central action of Jesus in his gospel. In Mark one thirty-nine, it says that he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues, and driving out demons. Jesus did a lot of things, but driving out demons is the one the author chooses to name. He also gave his followers in Mark the power to do the same. In Mark 3, 14-15, he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. In Mark 6, verse 7, calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Again, within the apocalyptic worldview, this makes perfect sense. But when we look at these stories, today we should look at them socially or politically, and we're called to also call out And work for change in these areas where our communities are today complicit in injustice, such as when maybe our faith community is being possessed or used by a political party or outside of our faith communities, where any system could be possessed when it's used by the elites or the powerful at the expense of those who are they, that they have made vulnerable. Politics, remember, it's about how power and resources are shared among humans. and people of faith should always be involved working for justice to be practiced when people are being marginalized and dispossessed. I want to be clear about that. But faith communities should never allow themselves to be overtaken or possessed by any single political party. We're about justice, compassion, inclusion, and love, not unconditional loyalty to one political party or one politician, specifically so what can be exercised this week we can be exorcists as jesus followers metaphorically where where is your your jesus calling uh your jesus following calling you to to cast out injustice this week Heart group application number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what would a society shaped by justice look like for you? Share and discuss that with your group. And number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. Uh, I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you'd like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to Renewed Heart Ministries and clicking donate. Also, once again, there is some exciting news here brewing. I've just signed an agreement with a new book publisher, Choir Publishing, and we're putting together a launch team for the second edition of Finding Jesus, which is coming out in February. If you've been blessed by the first edition and you would like like to see this book have a, a greater exposure to reach an even larger audience, I want to invite you to be part of the launch team. The, this second edition, it'll be available in paperback, there'll be a Kindle version, and there'll be an audiobook version available in Audible. And And, and there's great news too, For those who already have a copy of the first edition, the first 25 people to sign up to be part of the launch team will also receive a free audible copy of the audiobook uh, for Finding Jesus. So to join the, the Finding Jesus launch team, all you'll need to do let go to Amazon and pre-order a copy of the second edition when pre-orders become available. Then number two, read the PDF copy that uh, of the second edition of Finding Jesus that, that I'll send to you after you make that pre-order of the book. I'll send it to you immediately so that you're ready on launch day. And then number three, on launch day, go back to Amazon. Write a review for Finding Jesus, and you'll be able to do that on day one since you've already read the PDF copy. And then, number three, number four, share uh, your review of Finding Jesus on whatever social media pages you may have as well. It's pretty simple. That's all you have to do. If if you already have a copy, once again, of the first edition, this is a great opportunity to get the audiobook version on Audible as soon as it's available. If you would like to join our launch team, you can email me at info at renewedheartministries.com and just put in the subject of your email, launch team. Thank you in advance for being part of this special second edition publishing and and doing uh, 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 a part of the process that that ensures that this edition is also a success. So you can find renewed heart ministries again on X or formerly known as Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Meta's new Threads. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts. And if you like listening to this podcast, take a moment this week and leave us a positive review on whatever podcast platform you're using. This helps others find our podcast As well. You can watch our new YouTube show called Just Talking at uh, uh, youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd Just Talking. Each week, Todd and I take the upcoming lectionary reading from the Gospels, and we talk about that passage in the context of love, justice, and inclusion. If you teach from the lectionary each week, or you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check it out. You might like it. Again, Uh, Once you get there, please like, subscribe, hit the notification button, leave us a comment. And if you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. Right where you are this week, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week.